I saw the craziest thing online today. Chinese police wearing Chinese police uniforms patrolling in the streets of Italy on purpose and with the approval of Italian police. I thought it was quite odd. But really, is that any stranger than the way Canadian authorities bend the knee to China? I go through some of the details today. Um, can I invite you, before I get out of the way, can I invite you to become a premium subscriber? You get the video version of the show, which in this case is sort of important. I want you to see what these Chinese police look like patrolling in Rome. It's almost crazy. It's almost like some you know, alternative universe uh, sci-fi, you know, um, what was that one, the, the Dark Castle or something, where if the Axis had won the Second World War and East Coast America was under the Nazis and West Coast was under the Japanese, like something really, really weird like that, to see Chinese police patrolling in Rome. I wish you could see that. You can by getting the video version of this podcast, which is locked up in a, for our premium members. I want you to become a premium member. Go to premium.rebelnews.com, premium.rebelnews.com. It's eight bucks a month. It's a bargain at twice the price. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, Chinese police now patrol the streets in Italy. I wonder what Julius Caesar would say. It's November 7th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Ezra. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I saw an interesting little video produced by a Hong Kong newspaper called the South China Morning Post. It's less than a minute long and it doesn't actually have any sound, just some elevator music. All the information is conveyed in pictures and words on the screen. It's designed to be something you see on your social media and just scroll through on your phone, not even listening. But can I show you the whole video? It, it only takes about a minute. Take a look. first impression was, wow, Rome used to be the world's mightiest empire with most of the known world under its grip from Londinium to Alexandria. There was once a time, so it goes, that simply saying Civis Romanus Sum was enough to guarantee your safety. I am a Roman citizen. <laughs> yeah. Now Rome is a city in Italy which is being colonized by China. I mean, what do you call it when a foreign government sends its troops 
to patrol your streets. Did you see the Colosseum in the background of that little video? Imagine what the Caesars would think. Now, don't let me go too far. It sounds like a short exchange. You saw the stats. It's just tiny, 10 Chinese cops, and it's just a three-week tour. They've done this a few times now since 2016. I'm just going by what the South China Morning Post says. I couldn't tell in the videos if the Chinese police are armed. And it looks like they were always accompanied by real Italian police, so they weren't on their own, based on that video only. To be candid, it looks like they were slightly glorified translators. To help with Chinese tourists? Except that doesn't really make much sense, does it? There are plenty of people who speak Chinese around the whole world these days, including in Italy. There are Chinese Italians, Italian citizens of Chinese descent. There are even travel agents and tour agencies from China that could do that kind of work. But this is very specific, isn't it? It's police in uniform. Most importantly, it's government police from a communist dictatorship. That's the same Chinese police who are brutally suppressing peaceful democracy protests in Hong Kong right now. Remember, police in China are not like police in Canada or police in Italy. They are not independent. They are not nonpartisan. The opposite, they're the paramilitary wing of the Chinese Communist Party. They are loyal to the party first, just like the KGB was in the old Soviet Union. So it makes me wonder, what is their true purpose? I think maybe it's to keep an eye on any Chinese people in Italy. Maybe to spy on them, I don't know. Perhaps to tamp down on any Chinese democracy activists in Italy. The same way the Chinese embassies in countries around the world spy on Chinese democracy activists in countries around the world. Because otherwise, I don't think this tourism police thing makes sense. I don't know. Maybe it's to try and find holes in the police force, try and find someone to bribe. I don't know. I don't get the feeling that these Chinese police would dare yet to, an, to arrest an Italian citizen in Italy. Just judging by the video, it looks like they're really just patrolling with the Italian cops in a secondary role. Feels like an exchange program, a feel-good program. And in a way, that's a good thing. Maybe they'll observe these communist police. Maybe they'll observe that in free countries, police don't take out their truncheons to beat people for peaceful democracy protests. Maybe some of those Western ways of liberty and limited government and police following the law themselves will rub off on these Chinese cops, except, who am I kidding? That's what everyone's been saying forever. Maybe if we welcome communist China into the United Nations, maybe if we put, push democratic Taiwan aside, China will be more liberal. Maybe if we ignore how China treats the Falun Gong, or the Uyghurs, or Tibet. Maybe if we give communist China the Olympics. Maybe if we just pretend they're not stealing all of our industrial technology. Maybe if we just pretend they're not manipulating currency. Maybe if we just pretend they didn't kidnap and hold hostage two Canadian citizens almost a year ago. Maybe if we just pretend a little bit longer, communist China will learn to be more like us. No, I don't think so. They'll only learn 
more about what they can get away with. The Chinese know what Vladimir Lenin knew, as he famously said, the capitalists will sell us the rope with which we will hang them. And isn't that the case here? I think that to a degree, Westerners would naturally be a little bit resistant to China's wiles if it were not for the money. But Lenin called it. You can simply make a lot of Westerners get over their odium for communism by flashing a few rubles or yuan at them. I mean, the NBA is as woke as it gets about civil rights and criticizing American government abuses. But a few weeks ago, when one of their coaches or managers published a tiny little tweet criticizing China in Hong Kong, oh my Lord. We, we all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech. But at times, there are ramifications for the negative that can happen um, when you're not thinking about others and only, you're only thinking about yourself. So um, I don't believe, uh, I don't want to get into a, a, word, a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl, um, with Daryl uh, Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on, on, on the situation at hand. And, um, and he spoke. And uh, so many people uh, could have been harmed, uh, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, so just be careful what we, what we tweet and we say and what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with that too. Yeah, who knew that King James, that's his nickname, would bend the knee to the emperor? Got to keep those Chinese endorsement contracts going. Got to shut up any democracy voices. I think he's more vicious about it than those Chinese police in Italy who seemed rather meek. But you know, going and taking hostages can really change someone's mind, even make them overlook a few dollars. And when China kidnapped the two Canadians almost a year ago, it had a dramatic effect. Last year, Canadians were generally positive towards China as a country. I mean, we know Trudeau was, that's for sure. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China. But ordinary Canadians were too, according to all surveys. But then came the double kidnapping. And now look, this is a new international survey by the liberal but widely respected think tank called Pew Research. This is just from about three weeks ago. Canadians now, well, they hate China. Strong dislike, let's say, 67%, look, Canada, right at the top there, 67% of Canadians have an unfavorable view of China, only 27% favorable. You know, other than Sweden, which hates them a little bit more, and Japan, which really, really, really hates them, I'm not sure why Sweden's in there. Japan has a centuries-old rivalry with China, though. I mean, they've fought each other in wars many times. But Canadians are even more anti-China than Americans despite Trump's focus on them. China. 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 <laughs> but look at this. This is my real news of the day. Look at this. This is from the Vancouver Sun. Meng Wanzhou arrest caused UBC leaders concern over enrollment, fundraising. Internal documents show. The email records come at a time when post-secondary institutions around the world have come under increased scrutiny over their ties to China. Would you look at that? Universities, the place of scholarship and ideas and free thinking. 
In Canada, their top concern about the whole China-Canada thing, the kidnappings that happened after Canada lawfully arrested the woman who was in the bottom of that photo, Meng Wanzhou. She's a senior executive with the Chinese tech firm Huawei. The number one thing UBC was worried about was that sweet, sweet Chinese money. Not about freedom, about money. The university was. Let me read. The Vice Provost International told colleagues in an email, a campus-wide meeting was needed, given our significant reliance on China for students and do-re-mi. One theme of the internal discussions was whether UBC needed to take a more vocal stance to counter darker public feelings about China and to respond to critics who were calling on universities to cut or minimize ties with Huawei and other Chinese companies or institutions. So not only was UBC going to continue their relationship with the communist dictatorship that just kidnapped two Canadians, but they were going to volunteer to be a propaganda arm for, Can for China in Canada. They weren't going to try and bring Canadian values to China. Oh, were you crazy? They were going to make the case for the communists because all of that money, Lenin had their number. Let me read some more. Huawei sponsors $9.5 million in research agreements with UBC. Campus spokesman Kurt Heinrich said Wednesday, oh my God, is that all it took to turn the entire university into a group of prostitutes? You know, UBC's annual budget is $2.7 billion with a B. That's mainly from Canadian taxpayers. But $9.5 million? That's, that's not even 1%. That's, that's a third of 1%. That's all it takes for a foreign company, a foreign country, to corrupt UBC. That is so gross. It's also really, really pitiful. I mean, I wonder if ISIS came to UBC with 9.5 million, or Omar Khadr with his 10.5 million. Would UBC go into PR mode for the terrorists too? Please don't answer. By the way, Huawei isn't just a concern for anti-communists or right-wingers. Here's Barack Obama's national security advisor, talking to Canada's state broadcaster the other day about this very subject. It gives the Chinese the ability, if they choose to use it, uh, to access all kinds of information, civilian intelligence, military, that could be very, very compromising. So I, much as I disagree with the Trump administration on a number of things, on this, their concern about Huawei, I believe they're right. As a matter of protection, would the United States have to have a slightly different yes, security relationship can, with Canada? Yes, and that will throw the Five Eyes collaboration, which is, serves the security interests of every Canadian and every American, into jeopardy. It, it, we just, it, it can't be done. Can't share. I don't see how we can share in the way we have. It's not a joke. It's truly serious. Do you know what the craziest part of the prostitution of University of British Columbia is? While they were planning their PR propaganda for China, I read you that one quote there, while they were planning to defend the dictators, publicly, that was their public plan, their private plan, they were privately worried about the safety of their own students over in China. And they were even worried about the UBC president visiting China. Let me quote. In, this, is, this is from the memo. Uh, the, the, the dean wrote. In the near term, there was concern about the safety of the students, faculty, and even UBC President Santa Ono, who had trips planned overseas. One email thread 
carried the subject line, very concerned about Santa's trip to China. And they don't mean Santa Claus, they mean Santa Ono. So you're embarking on a PR campaign to whitewash a regime that's so dangerous that you're thinking of not even sending your own university president over there? How corrupt they are. Hey, how come taxpayers have to pay for this? I mean, Canadian taxpayers. I know why Chinese taxpayers do. I know what they get out of it. We all know. Stay with us for more. The other day I interviewed the head of Wexit. That's next. Welcome back. Well, mere hours after the election results on October 21st, the word Wexit started to trend on social media. It's a takeoff of the word Brexit, the referendum by which United Kingdom voters voted to leave the European Union. The last three years have passed and they have not yet exited. But can Alberta and or other Western parts of Canada exit from confederation? That's a question that's not just the stuff of social media now. Pollsters say the idea is gaining traction, not just in Alberta, but other Western provinces too. Meantime, Jason Kenney, the Premier of Alberta, says that he hopes to find a stronger place for Alberta within Canada. Well, which will happen, or do they both work in tandem? Joining us now via Skype from Edmonton is Peter Downing, the boss of WexitAlberta.com, a website and Facebook group that got a lot of the momentum in those early days. Peter, thanks very much for joining us here on Rebel News. Hey, thanks for having me, Ezra. Uh, well, it's nice to talk with you. We've heard so much about you, including from absolutely predictable critics who I think are criticizing in bad faith. They would criticize anyone who stands up for Western values or against liberal or Trudeau values. But I just want to ask you some basic familiarization questions for myself and our viewers who are curious about you and the website and your plans. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You seem like a youngish guy from Alberta. What's your background? Uh, my background is um, youngish, 37. Is um, I spent uh, two years with the Canadian Armed Forces, nine years with the Canadian, uh, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police um, after my public sector service. Went back, got education in business, project management, change management, continuous process improvement. Um, I'm actually doing a PhD right now in, in industrial psychology. But my heart for this is whether it's seeing government policy translate into four choices that, you know, my friends had died in the line of duty as a result of, or whether it's my friends and neighbors, over 100,000 um, Albertans who are out of work. We have 16-year-old Greta Thunberg coming to Edmonton with all sorts of fanfare. But there's enough 16-year-old girls here in Alberta whose dads are out of work right now. They don't have certainty. Um, people drawing out of their savings right now to even take care of medical expenses. So much uncertainty. 200 more people got uh, laid off with Husky Energy the day after the election. Um, and Canada's now going south. They're rebranding. They're, they're going to be American. And we have a prime minister and an Eastern Canadian political establishment that simply doesn't care, that yeah. simply wants to tell us to buck up, to diversify our economy, to slap on a sales tax. And the reality is the only leverage that we have is our geopolitical leverage, our trillions of dollars of resources, our young, hardworking, dedicated, intelligent labor force, 
and our lawful ability to leave the Confederation of Canada. All right, well, you talked about a bunch of things there. Let me just ask a little bit more on the biography. Have you yourself ever run for public office? I mean, um, I think you, you're an entrepreneur. You've got the website. You've got the names and the list. I think you had a, a town hall-style meeting in Edmonton, if I'm not mistaken, with over 700 people there. So you, 900. 900. Congratulations. So you got some ability to organize. Uh, I, I think you were nodding when I asked if you've run for office. Have you run for office before? Yeah, my first uh, kind of kick at the cat, getting involved in, in the whole electoral sphere. I actually, uh, my first time doing any kind of politics, volunteering for the Wild Rose Party in 2015 mm-hmm. for the uh, one of the candidates here in Edmonton during uh, that uh, that provincial election. Mm-hmm. So got my feet wet there that way. And then I actually uh, got some experience. I ran for the Christian Heritage Party in 2015 in the fall. Mm-hmm. Really, um, I was, I'd always been a card-carrying conservative member, um, I had a fundamental, the um, fundamental issue with the, um, the the arms treaty deal with Saudi Arabia. Just uh, again, we have a law that protects against, you know, that says that you can't give advanced military weaponry to regimes that have, that have a likelihood of using it on their own people abusively. So that was that, and I, I ran. I got some experience with the Christian Heritage Party. I'm not a member of that party anymore. Uh, since then, I've managed uh, some political campaigns uh, for candidates uh, municipally as well as being involved in other uh, political organizations and groups uh, moving forward until I got involved in the WEC. Actually, uh, I registered Alberta Fights Back as a third-party political advertiser with Elections Alberta and then moved into the WEC project. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, you can organize something if you got 950 people showing up. Do you have a bit of a team? Are there other people working with you? That's right. We have a fantastic team uh, within Edmonton and across the prairies. Um, we, we've just got the best talent, the best people again, who, uh, you know, the majority of it's all self-funded. We've had a uh, fantastic interest from people who bought memberships. Our membership sales have exploded. So, um, so what's it, a membership? Is, is it a, it's, a, it's definitely a, not a, oh, I just want to finish that last point. It is definitely not a one man show. Right. For sure. a, a membership in, in what are you, uh, are you an organization or a club or what is a member? What does a membership give someone? Well, just a member, just like any other organization, whether it's a club or we're obviously in the registration process now. Um, Wexit Alberta uh, has, you know, you can become a member. We're in the process right now of, uh, Wexit Alberta was launched on June 9th, bringing together the smaller conservative, non-UCP independence elements together to try to bring something credible and cohesive that would move towards getting, obviously winning seats um, in the legislature, and that would be willing to legislate um, a bill or draft a bill to legislate a referendum on separation if the current UCP government, for, for whatever reason, decides they're going to maintain their federalist line. Okay, so let me ask you this, because I, I saw in the news that you have sent in, I'm just looking at the CTV story here, uh, 500 signatures to, 543. Election, to Elections Canada to register as a federal party uh, is that accurate? And how does that, you were just mentioning the Alberta legislature, and then earlier right. you said you had some experience on the municipal level. We're, Do you we're, intend, we're, is it going to be a federal party or a provincial party or a movement? So we, uh, we, in the next coming days, we're just drafting up kind of like a pictorial kind of explanatory org chart so that everybody can kind of look at it at a glance. And it makes sense to everybody because there are a number of moving parts. 
So we the what you saw on the news is we filed our official registration with a request for registering our political party federally with Elections Canada. So basically to do for Western Canada what the Bloc Québécois does for Quebec. We want to uh, promote the unity of the four Western provinces. We want to have a seat, uh, obviously, federally and to fight back against any legislation or um, regulation that harms Western Canadian interests. And obviously, as well, to uh, bring Western Canadian issues to the national forefront. As well, having runners on base, uh, you know, when, you know, if we're successful in a referendum to help uh, have favorable parliamentary negotiations with a province who decides to leave. And also what it does do, too, is it, it creates a, basically a choice. Um, based on the success of the Reform Party in the 80s and the 90s, we do expect to be successful here. Ontario, as we know, keeps electing more liberals, mem liberal members of parliament, which obviously would have made it tough for the Conservatives to win government anyway. So it creates this wedge that it sets a political dynamic that it's going to be either perpetual liberal government or we vote to gain our economic liberty, our social stability, and our self-determination here in Alberta. The door first was locked on the inside. Wexit Alberta was the brand that we launched to bring together groups like the Freedom Conservative Party, the Alberta Independence Party, Alberta Advantage Party, and again, lots of personalities, moving pieces. Sometimes it doesn't work as quick as possible. All right, well, let so me interrupt you, Peter, because I, I just want to figure it out. And I, listen, I, I share a lot of your views and a lot of your frustration. I'm just trying to understand a little bit of the plan, and maybe you're still working out, working that out. And by the way, I think that's a good answer to say we're still figuring it out because it's only been two weeks since the uh, election, and you've only had this idea for a few months. You mentioned having a federal party, but do you need if if there if Wexit is really about an exit, do you need the provincial government to have the Referendum. I have. I, I'll admit I haven't read the Clarity Act recently, and I haven't reviewed the Supreme Court's treatment of it. So, I should probably do that. But don't you need to have strength provincially? Yes, we do. So, so how so, does that? Are you going to get a provincial party too? Right. So the Wexford Alberta brand. Just to explain that piece again, that other side of it, whether it takes the form of. Let's say, for instance, the other groups aren't able to work together, unify and slap the West Alberta name on themselves. Um, if there still is disunity or dysfunction or a lack of organizational capacity, then we will look to register Wexit Alberta as a provincial political party. Hopefully we don't have to go down that road. We have a lot of support from industry here in Alberta, industry, labor, indigenous communities, immigrant interests, um, uh, immigrant communities, senior citizens. Again, uh, public sector as well, private sector, everybody, because this isn't a left-wing versus right-wing issue. It really is a, a Western Canadian issue. But uh, everybody really wants to see Jason Kenney have the chance. I know he said he's a federalist, but uh, again, lots of people are kind of counting on him and hoping that he's going to lead us out of confederation, that he's going to implement the, an enhanced version of the firewall letter that we call the infernal wall. So, right, in addition well, to Listen, I mean, I, I don't claim to be the closest Jason Kenney confidant, but I, I have known the man for 20 years, um, 30 years. And the idea that he would lead Western separatism is not only something that I have never heard him say in public or in private, even when we were young friends. And I, I, I'm not that close mm -hmm. to him these days, obviously. But it seems so obvious to me that he, has, that he is a federalist, yeah. that he has said as much, 
his consultations were how to strengthen Canada within Confederation. It seems so patently obvious, he's not your man, and even his own political destiny seems so focused on, I mean, he speaks French, English, bilingually, he's got all these... Maybe he's trying to become, he's trying to become the Prime Minister, we don't know. Well, that's, a th so how... I, because just, it needs to because Ezra because it needs to be spelled out for everybody who thinks everybody who thinks that Jason Kenney will lead them out of Confederation whether they're the you know the voter the, well he's not know, gonna they, I'll just let me let me I know, save you some I know time he's, he's not, not gonna and that's the that's the point I know he's not going to but some people believe that he will so we want to be in good faith with the political mood and say hey here's your chance to be a hero here's your chance to be the first president of Alberta because the reality the electoral math whether it's just Ontario becoming more liberal on their own, but with us winning, let's say, 50 seats in Western Canada, the Conservative Party of Canada will never win government again. So it's a choice between perpetual liberal governments or voting for economic liberty, social stability, and self-determination. Voting okay. to leave. Um, now you, and I'm, I'm not trying to uh, uh, nitpick. I'm just trying to understand. Um, sure. Because you, you talked about Alberta and, and president of Alberta or whatever. What's your desired outcome? I guess, like, if you could look ahead 5, 10, 20 years, what do you want it to be? Uh, right. Alberta, a stronger Alberta within a stronger Canada. That's probably what Jason Kenney would say. An independent is... Alberta or an independent West. You talked about unifying the Western provinces. Like, I'm just trying to understand where you go and wex it. But, but you're running federal candidates. Again, I'm not trying to trick you or trap you. I'm no, no, trying to sure. understand it, what you're doing. There's a, number of moving, there's a number of moving parts. So I'm trying to keep it as uh, obviously as direct and on point, but also just obviously it's clear too. So the vision is, the vision is simply this. We're marching towards independence. We're marching towards our sovereignty. The Wexit Canada, in a sense, is the shield fighting back against um, federal regulation, Bill C-69, C-48, whatever other horrible thing Justin Trudeau is going to come up with his new green economic plan that, you know, when he announces his cabinet ministers on November 20th. So Lexicanda in one sense serves as a shield while, and also as a catalyst to help the, the provincial separatist parties in each of the four provinces, obviously more stronger in Alberta and Saskatchewan, but Northern BC is yeah, very supportive. But what separatist party? Like I, I don't, are there separatist parties in the four Western provinces. Oh, they are. They are starting. There will be Wexit, BC, Wexit, Alberta, Wexit, Wexit, Manitoba. Absolutely. 100%. And are those going to be something that you organize? I'm involved in the organization with it right now. All right. Um, so uh, anyway, I, I won't press you more on that. I was just trying to, I'm just trying to sure, understand. I, what I can say very clearly, Ezra, is this is, we're marching towards independence. So if, if the powers to be in Eastern Canada, in Ontario, in Quebec, in the Senate, in all of it. Say, okay, we will we will open up the Constitution. We will have an equal elected and effective Senate. We will have proper regional representation, or sorry, um, regional representations for the provinces. Um, you know, I live in a riding with 177 people, 177,000 people per one member of parliament. An Atlantic Canadian has a member of parliament for every 38,000. So to be able to, you know, even out the seat count, scrap the carbon tax, scrap Bill C-69, scrap unfair equalization programs, then I think that we have a basis to, and, and allow free trade throughout the country. Then I think we, we have a basis to be part of a country. But until those things happen, and the ball is in the court of Eastern Canada, obviously you saw the um, 
that um, Canadian senators group, those 11 people, I think five of them only happen to be from the West, they're going to focus on regional issues. We don't have an equal elected effective Senate, not like advanced democracies like Australia or Germany or the United States or even Russia. We recognize that you have to have balance for the region so you don't have the tyranny of the masses voting to out-tax and out-regulate um, the less populated, more resource-rich areas. So I think if they want to open that up and say that, you know, we need to do this, then I think there's a basis to continue to be a part of the country because otherwise we are marching towards separation. I, so are you uh, going to be the leader of the party or are yeah, you the leader? Uh, I'm, I'm the, I am the leader of Wexit Canada. And that's, yep. going, and that's seeking registration as a party. Will you have a party uh, leadership contest or will you just sort of be the leader? just see how it goes for now the reality is about effectiveness it's not about it's not about me it's not about anybody it's about achieving the effect and achieving the result which by the way i think we're doing right now we're already having this national conversation and i think that whether it be i think diane francis wrote in the uh, business post financial post that alberta needs a new deal right away or separation is inevitable yeah. i think the people who are paying attention and again it takes me you know there's moving pieces we've got to explain the plan maybe one two or three times but when they see how it results in the electoral math and the disposition of voters here in Alberta, re recognize that this is going to happen if something drastic isn't taken to, to ensure that our interests here in Western Canada are protected. Because we simply won't allow you know, our, our well-being and our futures and the future of our children and our grandchildren to be contingent on the benevolence of Justin Trudeau or Eastern Canada. That, that's not a sound plan. All right. Well, um, I will look forward to you fleshing things out and again i feel like i, I don't want to cross-examine you here i you're a lawyer <laughs> it's okay i i just i'm trying to like i was a young man once and i observed preston manning do the extremely hard work 200 nights a year on the road of building a political party from scratch and by the way in those early days he only ran candidates in the four Western provinces. So it sounds... We've, we've, lear we've learned from our friends in, uh, who were early reformers too, and that was the biggest mistake they made, was running candidates east of Manitoba. We are only running candidates in Western Canada. But, and again, for the purpose to be again, literally... I'm not trying to argue with you, but the lesson I learned, and I was Preston Manning's assistant for a couple of years, I saw some of it, was um, the Reform Party guaranteed three liberal majorities in a row because it was trying to do things in the federal parliament. Um, its motto was the West wants in. I don't know if its motto was the West wants out would have been stronger, but I, I, I don't want to go back on that again, but I'm just not sure how sending MPs to Ottawa fixes the problem. But let me move off that because I, we, I, I think you're just going to have to figure these things out and flesh them out. You've told me that's what you're doing. Let's no, you've got, you've, got, you've got exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to... I don't. I, I, I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for you. I'm just trying to understand yeah. what you're saying. Let me ask you more concrete questions. You had this event in Edmonton. We'll be sure to cover them. I, I'm not sure why we missed that one, but we'll keep our eyes peeled for your other Come on events. down to Calgary. We'll be in Calgary on November 16th in the event the event's expected to be bigger. We'll have a live band this time. November 16th, you're having an event in Calgary. And who's speaking? The best speaking? way to stay up to date on, we're just trying to find a venue big enough right now. We're mm -hmm. almost there. But to stay updated, go onto our website at 
uh, wexitevents.com, and you'll see everything that we've got lined up. Okay, so you got Edmonton and you got Calgary coming up. Are you doing anything in the other Western provinces? We'll be, and it will be in Red Deer on November 30th. Um, and then in the new year, I'm expected to be out in Saskatchewan helping develop, uh, start to develop the, um, the grassroots, organ- the grassroots, the CAs and uh, all that kind of stuff in the structure and the leadership group out there. So I'll be doing a little bit of traveling in Saskatchewan in the new year. And who, who will be speaking at, at these events? Obviously you will. Uh, will. Will there be other speakers in Calgary and Red Deer? Yes, there will. You got to show up to see who they are. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, listen, Peter, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I, I like your entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, you clearly struck a chord, and we know that that's true because we see it in the polls and we see it in the abuse you're already taking from some of the snide, uh, yeah. the snide journalists out east. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we got we got lawyers to deal with some of that stuff. Some well, of stuff, you know, you know, some I, of the stuff we don't care about. The other stuff that's a lie. Oh, God. Well, I uh, I know my history enough to know that D- Doug Christie, the former leader of the Western Canada Concept. He sued his critics and he wound up in court for a decade. I, I wouldn't recommend uh, being a politician who sues. I mean, and I, I say that as someone who's in too much litigation myself. But <laughs> I, listen, I'm glad you came on the show today. I like yeah, your entrepreneurial spirit. I, I, love, like, I love the work you guys do. Thank you very much. I, I'll tell you and I'll tell my viewers, I look forward to the plan and, and the strategy and the philosophy being, being more ironed out because i will quite understand we're going to make it very we're we're making it clear we have the we have it ironed out we just have to figure out how to communicate it better but you'll see that soon all right well i look forward to that i won't keep you any longer i'm grateful for your time we're interested in what you're doing um and we'll we'll follow it along with the other people trying to make sense of the mess we're in so peter i'll leave it there thanks very much for for joining us today thank you ezra i really appreciate it all right there you have it. Peter Downing is the founder of Wexit, who has applied for a federal party registration. And you heard the man. He's got events coming up in Calgary on November 16th and Red Deer on November 30th. Stay with us. More ahead on the road. Hey, welcome back. I did that segment just before I got my haircut, so it was out of order. I hope you don't mind. On my monologue yesterday about the 11,000 so-called scientists signing off on a letter, Jan writes, finally a show we could get a laugh from. Thank you. Am I paying these screwballs at CBC to promote a joke, a hoax? Because that's what this is. What a great show tonight. Well, thank you very much, Jan. I, I went through it, and I just didn't know what I was going to find. It was basically the same as saying, hey, click like on my Facebook post. There was no screening. I, it was fortuitous that the jokester was in the W's. I went through alphabetically, so A, B, C, and it was only when I got to the W. And I was sort of pooped by then because I was, I was getting a little crazy. I was Googling all these names. It was all blurring in my mind. When I got to the W's and I got that one jokester, he just made me laugh so hard. Liz writes, that guy from Hamilton who signed as one of the scientists needs to come on the show. What an epic troll. That was entertainment. You know what? I just saw that. I saw BS detection and analysis. I mean, normally I would say, yeah, that's really funny, but I, I had just spent a couple hours going through 
so much gobbledygook. I thought, well, maybe that means something in some scientific jargon. I mean, BS can sometimes stand for Bachelor of Science, Science, or maybe that's BSC. I don't know. I was so in, up to my eyeballs in bureaucratic lingo. I thought maybe BS detection and analysis was some fancy thing. It was just some, <laughs> some guy from Hamilton. Oh, he made me laugh. Phil writes, nice to know that Hans Wienerholder is in our corner <laughs> expertly detecting and analyzing BS. You know, I just, it took me a while to, re to figure out who he was. When I went to his Facebook page and I saw him in the mask, I thought maybe that's some Antifa guy. Could be. Then I saw him fishing in a MAGA hat, Make America Great Again hat, and I thought, no, this guy's having some fun. And uh, I should reach out to him. He was wearing a Make Canada Great Again hat, which is our hat. So he, he must have some connection to the rebel in some way. I'll try and track him down. We can have a good laugh. Yeah, that's a good idea. Thanks for the tip. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll see if we have his email or something. I'll, I'll reach out to him. Anyways, that's the show for tonight. <laughs> Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.